Hey, welcome to Waiting for Review, a show about the majestic indie developer lifestyle. Join our scintillating hosts, Dave and Daniel, and let's hear about a tiny slice of their thrilling lives. Join us while waiting for review. Hey, Dave. Hey, Daniel. Um, <laughs> lot of restraint on my side not to launch into a mockney. A mockney accent, mate. <laughs> the restraint just has failed. Yeah, we talked. Uh, we talked just now about um, things that sound like a Guy Ritchie movie mm-hmm. <laughs> in the pre-show, and, and yeah. it turns out it turns out Dave uh, does speak proper Cockney, or I, what I assume proper Cockney sounds like, because I only know Cockney from Guy Ritchie movies and parodies uh, thereof. It's one of those things where anybody actually with that with anything like that accent because i'm not sure that accent as in those movies really exists in real life it's exaggerated to a big degree um but anybody from landon with that accent will criticize my impression because i'm not from there (laughs) (laughs) but i guess comparatively my accent probably gets closer than yours daniel i'm afraid so there is that i'm i'm pretty sure it does like yeah. at one time in my life, uh, I had this buddy from Carlisle, which is mm-hmm. in the very north of England, just at the Scottish yep. border. Yeah, and um, so I kept I kept going there and having like and, and visiting him over like like I was back in school back then, and mm-hmm. my English was very Carlisle tinted after a while. And what they do is their A's are just R's. <clears throat> I remember yeah. we went to the to the to the cinema. And one of his friends was like, oh, let's watch Catch Me If You Can. And <laughs> ah, that was just fantastic. Well, it is Carlisle and not Catlisle. Carlisle. So. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, Daniel? How are things going? I'm good. I have a half full, of, half full glass of wine. The other half is on my desk. Um, but it turns out, uh, like I just, I just um, knocked it over. Basically, turns out my desktop still be pretty good. Like it's not, it's not horribly stained. It just like excellent. <laughs> it just <laughs> soaked everything up and looks the same. <laughs> Wine infused desk. Yeah, I was, I was saying like I probably need to infuse the rest of the of the new desk. Just um, make it match. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah, like, pour wine all pour. over it. Yeah going to get me myself like a really expensive bottle of Bordeaux or something. <laughs> Start a new trend. Wine stained glass. This is, a, this is Italian though. Huh. Okay. Gotta, gotta uh, launch the Italian job. <laughs> the, inta- the Italian job, mate, innit? Um, <laughs> I have a new desk. Um, yes. I don't know if they're um, waiting for reviewy verse is up to date on my desk. Probably I not. I think not. Yeah. Uh I have a new desk. I have a, a desk that is smaller and I built it myself. Like I used to have this uh height adjustable desk and it kind of broke and it was very wide. It was like 2 meters and 30 centimeters, I think. That's pretty wide. And yep. it just took a lot of space in my office. And I have replaced it with a one that is about a meter less wide and less mm-hmm. deep and i just went to the to the hardware store and bought a a like huge ass um 
piece of wood, like a plank of wood. Uh, yeah. It's um, beach, I, I believe. I bought like four table legs, adjustable ones, and then I kind of screwed them in. And it turns out adjustable table legs are very unstable. So my desk wobbled. So I added even more screws, adjusted the table legs to exactly the height that I wanted them to be, and then taped them. Uh, because otherwise I would have to disassemble everything and I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's working well. Yeah, it's 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 pretty good. Oh, okay, so yeah. it still wobbles a bit, but it doesn't make a sound while wobbling, which is half the quite useful for a half, half done. Um, yeah. I might actually affix it to the wall because that's the other thing. It is now um, in a nice niche that has a lot of windows in my office, and I can affix it to the wall and also get a lot of sunlight because in the northern hemisphere we have winter time and sunlight is hard to come by, mm-hmm. and so I have lots of natural sunlight but i also bought a huge huge um daylight lamp that is just yep. right next to my screen now and that will just like blast me with with all the radiation that that my body needs <laughs> and so yeah that's my new setup nice it nice. is pretty so nice you're battling i routed the... i routed all the cables i oh. um I routed all the cables, and there are not very many cables. I bought all the adapters so that there's only one uh, cable to plug into my laptop once I connect it, because nice. I have a laptop computer. It's just like completely hidden behind the, <laughs> <laughs> just completely behind hidden behind the screen now, and behind oh. the the huge ass um, lamp. Nice, but yeah, the well, desk to... is nice. Have you posted gonna, a desk photo? You should do, and then we can just link to your post in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna post one now, and then then we can we can link to it, and people can can look at it. Sweet. While you do that, I can tell you a little bit about my side. My my desk setup has changed a little bit since mm-hmm. we last spoke um, because I've been spending money, Daniel. Um, Ooh. Yeah, I have a. M2 Mac Studio sat on my desk now. Ah, <laughs> you always lovely. wanted one. I did. And now you I have did. one. There was a um, a good deal on the Apple Refurb store. There was a, mm-hmm. a basically the, the base model. So it's the um, M2 Max with 32 gig of RAM, uh, but it's been updated to a terabyte of storage space instead of 512. Not bad. Yeah, and that will do me quite tidily for everything I do. I've been working on a MacBook Air M1 for the last two and a bit years. Oh, so you went from the M1 to the M2 Max. That's right. And I've also gone from 16 gigs of RAM there to 32. And honestly, like, I wasn't sure what to expect. Like, I was like, okay, it's going to be faster. The the extra RAM is going to be useful. Um, But that jump, for me, for Xcode build times, has just been insane. It's been yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's um, fantastic. Um, so that, that that's been really lovely. I've been able to um, do a few things a bit faster, actually, because of the machine. Like, um, I think you know, the thing I want to call out is my MacBook Air was definitely still serviceable and was able to be worked on. Um. But because of the speed of the the new machine, I'm getting a much better flow state 
Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I don't tend to use Swift UI previews. I tend to just run stuff um, because honestly, previews fall over all the time for me in my projects. It seems um, this seems to be a universal thing for a lot of people, but I'm sure there's somebody out there who uses them all the time and loves them. Um, yeah, apparently those people are all, are all there. Yeah, but um, what I'm finding, of course, is because it compiles so quickly, I can just hit run, keep going, take a look come back and, and that iteration is is a lot quicker and i am just loving that so yeah that's that's been fantastic me um but yeah i even bought a plexiglass acrylic stand for it so it's sort of elevated off the desk and it's pride of place next to my monitor here um although i do have a very very tiny little Christmas tree on top of us at the moment. Um, Aww. Because, yes, tiny Christmas tree and stuff. But what does the stand do? Like, does it just elevate it or is it like at an angle or how, how can um, I? It's, uh, it's kind of got a curve on the base so that it doesn't, it sort of sits on the desk and is, is up a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's got a lot of little holes underneath where the grill is um, and the air intake is under the Mac Studio. But what it does is it elevates it up and provides an extra layer of a filter, um, which means it should be less inclined to getting clogged up with dust and cat fur. So, Oh, smart. Yeah, yeah, because that is a very real risk. Um, before I got this machine, my cat Stevie was um, sleeping quite regularly on this side of the desk. Yeah, they so, should. They should make. They, they should make like a little lid there that you can just open and just like rip out all the cat fur that they that inevitably <laughs> will get into the cooling system. Like, I have one yeah. of those um, um, vacuum cleaning robots, and mm-hmm. basically exactly that. You can like oh, like open a little a little lid there, <laughs> remove <laughs> <laughs> remove the thing, just clean it up, push it back in. <laughs> ah, get on it, oh. Apple. Yeah, um, but the other thing is, is, is the acrylic traps the light and it glows a little bit underneath it because Aww. of it. And I like that. It's, again, yeah, you got to post a picture of that. Yeah, I will do. It's um, very much a bit of like dream fulfillment for me. I wanted a, um, a G4 cube back in the day. Um, this is the closest modern analog for that to me. Um, big brick of aluminium, um, it, like an extruded Mac Mini. Sat here. Yeah. Um, so cool. Yeah. Uh, but the other thing it's done, Daniel, is it's put me back on a single display. Like before this, I had a laptop stand and the MacBook Air would be to the side of the, the monitor I've got. And of course, that's not the setup now. It's just this studio into the display. And honestly, I love it. Like I've actually found that I appreciate just having the single display and kind of the, the, uh, focus and minimalism that forces on me in terms of how I'm using the machine because uh, often I would have you know Xcode is full screen on the display and then I've got uh, Mastodon messages, Slack, everything else on the laptop screen and I just sort of full screen those and sort of switch between them and now I'm more like now I'm in Xcode I'll see you later <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know that's that's actually quite refreshing um, yeah that's what made yeah. me go into the single monitor lifestyle as well. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, obviously, I'm eyeing up a, a studio display next um, to just complete the setup. 
but we'll we'll see. This monitor is just nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah, complete look. I'll I'll post a picture on beautifulsetups.com. No. Um, Not on reddit.com slash r slash battle stations. Oh. <laughs> I can't. I, nah, nah, not at all. Um, yeah, the other thing is, is I've had a, a full-size keyboard um, to replace my smaller, uh, older Magic keyboard. Um, mm-hmm. And that means I've now got one with with Touch ID on. Oh, those um, are so nice, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's actually been a bit of an adjustment as well as actually finding the right spot on my desk for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so you're about. Uh, uh, yeah, okay. So you have the big one. Mm-hmm. I was always because I have the the one without the numpad. Yeah, and yep. I'm always I'm always in my mind switching or not even in my mind I'm always switching between those two like whenever I buy a new keyboard which is not super often but once every three years or so yeah I have kind of bought new keyboards because they either break or they get like the fingerprint sensor and I really wanted to have that yeah. um, and I thought ah oh, do I get the one with the numpad or not and in the end I I I kind of looked at my usage because the previous one was with an numpad and I felt like yeah. I don't I do use the 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 full size arrow keys a lot and I feel like those are a bit bad on the on the smaller one. Yes. But it turns out I don't use the numpad a lot especially because I switch between entering German numbers and English slash American numbers a lot of the time. And I don't know if you know this, but like the decimal separator in German is a comma, whereas Mm -hmm. in most English, most English languages, the decimal separator is a, is a, is a dot, is a point. Yes. Or a full stop. Whereas the thousand separator in German (laughs) is a full stop. (laughs) English is a comma. Mirrored. Wow. It's exactly mirrored. Cool. And so, um, if I get a German keyboard, I would have a comma there. Mm-hmm. which allow, allows me to enter German numbers, but I can't program on a German keyboard. Um, so I use, I, I, I've had uh, American keyboards for years and years now. But then there's a full stop. There's a dot on the, on the numpad, and that prevents me from entering German-style numbers. And my system is set to English slash US, I think. Okay. Um, but my locale is set to German. So, for example, if I want to enter a number i need to enter a comma if it's a decimal anyway long story short um numpad is very much useless for me so uh i decided on cutting it off and have more space for the trackpad next to it because i'm a trackpad i'm a magic trackpad user me too and that has been the dilemma has been finding the perfect spot to put the trackpad in with the bigger keyboard and um Honestly, I probably should have just bought the smaller keyboard with the Touch ID on it, but I I got suckered in with the um, space gray coloring and the black keys. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, that'll look lovely. Of course, now I've got a white trackpad next to it, and that doesn't really match. But What I was so hoping for when they released the M1 IMAX was Mm. that they'd released the keyboards in the colors and the the, the trackpads in the colors because I would have gone full orange. I, I would have gone full purple with those colors. Oh, I, I, very nice. I went through a phase of actually trying to see if I could contract them down as like spare parts or, mm-hmm. or um, you know, secondhand where somebody's just selling those off. And you can do it. You can find it. But it's it's much more money than I want to spend just to have a purple yeah. colored track band. So. I mean, even if you just 
buy a new trackpad and a new uh, Apple keyboard, you're you're out like what two hundred fifty euros? Yeah, at least. At least. So yeah, nah. Um. Anyway, yeah, this is this is the new setup. I've got the the, the bigger keyboard. I'm getting used to it. We shall see. Um, I did debate sending it back and trying to get uh, the, the smaller one, but I kind of have adjusted now. Um, yeah, I get so that. I mean, it's, yeah. it's it's just very nice. It has also had, has its pros and cons. Yeah, but I'm really happy for you to have all this the computing power now. Like, it, it's helping. It's helping. It's nice. What I'm doing and. Okay, so we've, we've we've talked a lot about setups and and life and bits and bobs, Daniel. But it, um, talking about my dev and what I've been up to, um, it's really kickstarted um, something new that I'm working on, mm-hmm. um, which which I kind of predicted. Uh, so, yeah, it's just fun um, working on new hardware. Yeah, yeah. So I've I've been making a thing, Daniel, over the last last two. Tell or three me weeks. about your thing. Uh, okay, so. Um, we talk a lot. Someone, someone <laughs> yeah. clip that. <laughs> I don't, I don't clip my thing. Um, crikey. Yeah, this, this could really descend quite badly. So let's, let's, let's out of the gutter, Daniel. Let's keep going. Um, okay. So my, my project that I am working on, mm-hmm. um, it is a node based video filter system. And by that, you don't mean the programming language node.js. You mean nodes as a user interface thing, correct? Yeah, 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 exactly. Just call me old school like that, Daniel. Nodes to me is connecting lots of stuff rather than the the big JS platform that um, is out there. But uh, yeah, Um, so you can... Cool. What's it do? um, So you, you can put inputs on the screen. You can put filters on the screen as as individual sort of um, an individual uh, like things on the, on a canvas. I don't know how to describe it. It's like having a lot of different um, post-it notes on the screen that you can then connect together. So you can connect the output of one thing to the inputs of another thing, um, and it will visualize what that looks like. It shows you right. the, the the produced image. It kind of um, looks like that GIF of that guy who has the, the conspiracy theorist guy who has like lots of papers on his wall and then lots of red string connecting them. And yep. So you're connecting the input, uh, the output of one of those nodes basically to the input of another one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. String everywhere, like Bezier curves are my friend. Um, I'm trying to, you know, make the, the, the connections look nice on the screen between each thing so they're curved and all of that. But the point of it, the, the actual point of doing this thing, uh, is so that I can make my own combined filters out of out of all of these parts. Uh, if you remember a couple of years ago, maybe I was working on a pixel art app uh, mm-hmm. that that sort of repurposed my my video engine from from the video mixing app that I have. Um, and I got so far with it, and then I put it down. And, and one of the big reasons that I put it down was because actually making these sort of combined chained filters to do what the app needed to do was quite hard. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, you know, you think about what my dev process was. I would add add a, a connector filter to another filter, um, and 
another filter to another filter sort of linearly if you like in code uh set the attributes compile run load an image see if it looks how i want it to look no it doesn't and each one of those is like you know a two or three minute loop if you like after you sort of go through stuff and i did a couple of things where i could have you know sliders to control one thing or the other but it was very very uh tightly coupled to the code and not very flexible and so i had to kind of predict okay well maybe i want to have that filter go into that filter and maybe this would then look a bit like that um and that works so far but honestly once you're beyond you know more than a couple of filters and blends i can't really visualize in my head what the outcome's going to be so this gives me a a uh palette and a canvas that I can kind of play with, tweak these things, see them in real time, and and get things just as I want them to. And then I can export them out because everything is codable. I can export it as as JSON even, um, and then get that loaded into one of my apps that's got this library, uh, and off it goes. I can use that as a as a effect pipeline at that point. So yeah, that's really yeah. cool. That, that that that's um it's going to power my video mixing app ultimately. Uh, I'm going to replace the engine with this node based uh library underneath. Get all the power. So like um I am an amateur Blender user, and Blender has lots of places where you can like do node based programming, yes. almost like for the shaders and the materials and the post processing mm-hmm. and whatever. And it's so cool. Like this is one. It's one of one of my favorite things because it feels like less of less effective i want to say or less productive than like real programming mm-hmm. but it's so much more fun you immediately see the output you can yep. visualize all the different steps and it's just so so haptic and visual and whatever so that's really nice I, 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 um t just sent me a message um asking what um i said they need to know more about the piggy on your desk hang on i'm gonna show you the piggy gonna get it really quick give, give me a second give me a second one second well, this is live this is live and this needs a lot more context daniel <laughs> this needs a lot well, more is, context daniel um, is, so f- okay so i posted a a uh on on mastodon a picture of my desk and if you yep. look closely there's a tiny pink very round piggy on my desk yes um and the history, the, the story of this piggy is a friend of mine sent me a TikTok video where someone was doing, um, was, 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 was like lifting weights basically. And yeah. to ensure that they, they would go low enough with the, with the bar, they would, <laughs> they would have to have this exact piggy on the, on their chest and then, and then make it, uh, press it because if you press it, it does this. <laughs> makes a sound so every, it, t- every it... time they lifted and brought the bar down <laughs> yeah um, um it, it makes a sound and also like uh just p- pushes out its, its tongue and so we were just like um super having fun about this this tiktok and then she basically sent like sends me a package with this is exact thing i, I guess she found, found it on amazon or something <laughs> and i'm like okay this is very cool i'm gonna like this is like now with the assor- assorted knickknacks that sometimes live on my desk and sometimes are just next to my desk. 
Yes. Like uh, I've like a like, like little little um, table there that just has well, some curls, some other the, stuff. The, the, the picture and, of your desk we mentioned earlier will be linked in the show yes, notes. And I already will... put it in the put it in the show notes. Yep. And, and it it, so. it features this pig. So it features you, this pig and now this episode. So in whenever we're we're releasing it, he can then listen to the episode and then know more about the piggy because that's what they wanted to know. No worries. Um, <laughs> you have completely derailed my my train of thought. <laughs> you have introduced a new node to the canvas. And a new node, yes. And now everything is piggy tray. tinted, and that's how yes. it works. Um, that's how it works. I do have a question though about the node based. So, so what you said, like you, what you were kind of describing right now, sounded very much like okay, there's a separate app and that has the nodes, and then you can export the things mm-hmm. and then like manually include them in the in GoVJ, for example. Yep. Like, does it yep. have to be manually? Like, uh, the, like is there like a I don't know a way with shortcuts or shared application well, folders or whatever? No, it's so worth just noting this, this is a dev tool right now. It's not mm-hmm. really intended for other people to play with. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Not not least of which is unlikely to probably change the model at some point or have, have that, you know, I'm not really versioning the output that it gives right now and those sort of things that you would need to do if it was going to be a real a thing that other people could use easily. Um Never say never, but I think this is going to be just an in-house tool for for some time uh, before oh. I try and find anything else for it. Yeah, I am disappointed. I understand though, Sorry. but I'm disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I tell you something: it's a Catalyst mm-hmm. app when I use it on the Mac, so it's Swift UI based with 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 Catalyst. Fantastic. Um, that means, of course, I can use it on my iPad, and it is definitely fun to use with the pencil. Uh, so yeah. Um, so I can sort of foresee a world where this is kind of my, my sketch pad for new video effect ideas, literally on the iPad. Um, and yeah, maybe it evolves into its own app in time that and I then in spring when the, um, uh, when the VR headset is released, mm-hmm. then you can have like a huge, incredibly large video screen, and then in front of you a tiny note, a tiny note-based interface to live control it, like to preview how it would look like in a concert where you are VJing. Indeed, indeed, there are lots of visual OS things I could probably do with this in time in that way. So yeah, I really hope that that becomes a, a going concern as a platform because yeah, that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, but uh, Daniel, the, the 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 thing that this is for, though, it's not so I can resurrect my pixel art app, although that might be no. a, a thing I do um, in time. But it is it's to provide a base that I can then kind of um, plug into my Lego app structure that we've talked about before, mm-hmm. where I've got a lot of libraries and things that are presets and things up, um, and it's it's kind of being built so that I can. Uh, stand those things up quicker in terms of the visual ideas and the filtering ideas that I've got. So I've got a, a laundry li- list of apps I could make, which I think is typical of a lot of indie app developers. You come up with an idea. <laughs> Most of mine center around messing around with images and video and, and things like that. 
So this is a bit of an enabler for that. But, yeah, which is why yeah. I thought in the beginning it would be cool to have that actually user-facing because then, like, you could of course work use the tool for for the for for the like just like to have enough content to keep to get people going. But then, mm-hmm. like, people could do so much, you know. But you probably spend be. so much time working on the that thing that you wouldn't be able to work on GoVJ anymore. So that's my concern. It. I kind of want to use it as an enabler first and then think about whether it's got any other utility to, to other people. Because uh, there is a world where it could be useful for that. You know, mm-hmm. I can see a, a version of this um, that is associated with the, the, the video mixing app uh, where people can make their own combined filters um, potentially even then because it could be all turned into JSON send it up to a back end and then maybe I can have a whole section where people share their filters with each other in the app and things. So we'll we'll see how it goes. But right now mm-hmm. it's it's uh, an in-house technology, as it were. And I'm kind of getting to a thing I wanted to just talk about very briefly, which is that um yeah, I've got my my site set on uh a new app that is kind of the old app. Okay. <laughs> so the uh the simple way of putting this is that um GoVJ as a mixing app has two channels of video. It does what it does very well. It's quite fun to use as a performance tool. Um and you can use it to put on a, a, a video accompaniment to whatever audio is, is going on. Mm-hmm. But the professional software in this realm of the world in this niche if you like uh tends to be desktop based tends to be multiple channel so like n layers of video that you mix together um and tends to have a bit more going on than than what i've got and so and i've gone round and round on this as an idea or maybe i need to do like a pro version uh, maybe the pro version is just this app with a with an extra unlock to use more layers or something. Uh, I've decided I'm going to build it as a separate app. Um, I'm going to rebrand the pro upgrade inside of the existing app to just being called Plus, <laughs> so that the names don't conflict. And then there will be a, a GoVJ Pro at some time next year. That is the the current plan. Um, and that very will, nice. Thank you. It should be cool. Um, it should be multiple layers, um, and I'm going to pitch it as working on the iPad and the Mac, and I'm just not even going to consider trying to scale the UI down for the phone. And that that then sort of frees me to really get playing. Oh, yeah, I can see that. That's really cool. So what what are the steps to get there? Uh, one of the... So yeah, good question. First step, I am going to be kind of pragmatic with my time. I'm going to stand up a, a landing page and a mailing list sign up, and I'm going to boost and post that all around the places where people in my target market congregate. So that will be me stepping into Facebook groups and places I don't normally frequent, but um so be it. Go where the users are. Go where the customers are. Um, and I'm going to see if anybody's actually interested before I put any major effort into building this thing. And I think yeah, the answer that's a will fantastic be yes. idea. 
<laughs> we I, talked I, about this offline the other day, and I think yes. that is just so like everyone, like all the ugh, all the stupid like business entrepreneurial um, like podcasters always talk about this. Yeah, um, and it's so incredibly frustrating that it works because <laughs> it it re in a in a perfect world it just shouldn't, but it does. Yep. Well, the problem is, is, as developers, you just want to build the thing, right? And it's like, yeah, build like thing. building the thing it's is beautiful. way easier than like thinking about like how it could look like. I don't know how it looks like until I've built it. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Uh, so I, there's a few steps before I can even put the websites up. I want to have a good idea of what the UI might look like so I can at least mm -hmm. make a mock up that's going to be semi accurate. I mean, obviously, it'll be subject to change as I build the thing, but. You know, I want to have a good vision of what I'm selling because otherwise it's just I'm thinking of making this, please sign up. Um, so I'm going to have to have something strong in terms of, of uh, the visual on that. But uh, yeah, I'll give that a go. And I think what I'm trying to do here really is just pre-validate the idea, right? So can I, can I visualize what it's going to look like to some degree? Can I stand a landing page up and communicate that to potential customers? Is anybody actually interested? And do you know what? If I only get a couple of signups, I'll probably move on to another idea. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, if I end up with, I don't know, anything approaching uh, triple digits, then I think that'll be enough to motivate me to say, yeah, okay, there's, there's at least 100 people out here who've got some interest in me building the thing. Um, And I'll use that as sort of my my fuel, if you like, to sort of spur me into action. Yeah, um, I think that's very smart. There's a bunch of technical steps as well. I want to replace the engine inside of the the, the existing app with this this node based pipeline first. Um, mm -hmm. And there's a whole bunch of stuff I want to do there to just sort of um, simplify some of the Swift UI layers that I've got in the existing apps UI and that sort of thing. Um, Largely because I'm thinking about, um, well, that then puts me in a place where I've got a, a, a base that I can start from for the new app. Um, I'm literally going to take the old app and kind of hack it together to do this and, and build mm -hmm. it up from there. So I'm going to clean house first. Um, and then that that means the existing app gets gets the speed boost, if you like, of, of, um, of having... Uh, the same engine pretty much as the other one and means that when new effects are developed for one i can drop them into the other one and vice versa and so i can kind of spread my efforts a little bit there as well when i want to and um, how um how does this end how does the engine look like is it more like a shader that's like working on individual pixels or is uh, it more high level yeah. where you're like you're combining individual like metal based shaders It's both. Um, so mm -hmm. the nodes are shaders that are then turned into core image filters. Um, and then the higher level is connecting them all together and then having a structure I can play with that, uh, that I can just load. And when I say just load, I mean I can instantiate a, a pipeline, if you like, with all of these mm -hmm. things connected together. Uh, and the pipeline has some parameters exposed that an app can control. and You're then talking about loading images, videos inside of it, and getting an output off the other end. So very nice, yeah, yeah. And and I don't know, Daniel. I just find it fun. 
to be honest. I can't justify, <laughs> I can't actually just say, you know, right, okay, this changes the world in some fashion or, or is like, you know, the best thing since sliced bread. It's just that, no, I, I, I got the bug 20 years ago of playing with video stuff um, and uh, it, it keeps pulling me back in. And thankfully, there are a few other uh, video pixel-inclined people out there that like to use my software. So that, that sort of combines nicely. Um, we at GoVJ, we've had a vision for for thousands of years. We <laughs> as humans have worked towards this vision. And finally, we can give you GoVJ Pro, changing the world one filter at a time. I might use that. <laughs> <laughs> you can. You wait, you wait. I'll put the stand. I'll put the landing page up. I'll, I'll get a little uh, motion graphic video together of the the UI, and I'll use you as the intro from this. Show. I'll be I'll be your intro. I, uh, I can I can very much do like visionary startup dude. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, that's how I, I will credit you on the on the credits of this this uh, video. You'll be visionary startup dude. Daniel Yu. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm in. I'm in. Um Yeah, let me know how how you want the lighting to be. Uh I have a blue goatee, so that kinda helps. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Although yeah, yeah we might just use your audio, Daniel, no offense. Um <laughs> <laughs> Fair, fair. I have a face for radio. Uh me too. Me too. Um, actually, we can see each other today because we're using the video side of the, the, the podcast recording software that we use. And mm -hmm. that's, that's kind of fun because you get yeah, just It's all about the bit. content. We're producing yeah. multiple forms of content at the same time because content is everything. We're producing video content, long-form audio content, long-form video and audio content, and short-form... Um, ah. I had something for this short form swipeable portrait style content. Oh, dude. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> no. And that's going on TikTok. Uh, what you can't see listening to this is the look of sheer fear <laughs> on my face, as Daniel said there. Uh, yeah, Gen Z is going to rip TikTok. us apart. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Well, Daniel, um, I feel like I've talked all about my video stuff, which I have. Um, I wanted to just check in very quickly with you before we, we close out the show. What's what's going on on your side of things? Huh. Okay. I have two things. Huh. How, how do I how do I phrase this? Or how do I mm, combine those? Okay. So short term, I've been thinking a lot about like how do I make telemetry like easier for uh, new users uh, mm -hmm. and and for and just just easier for hmm. like right now if you start using telemetry deck you gather the data and then you get this this one screen that gives you like number of users and which devices they use i know no which uh, operating systems they use and um their retention which is very nice and very helpful but there's so much more there's so many more um insights that people will 
like every single or almost every single person that uses telemetry deck will inevitably be inevitably create um like for example what devices are people using um stuff like that and so yep. uh i've decided i want to have more default insights um so no. i've been working on those uh today i started on um the devices that people are using um i've i have actually <laughs> i built a new chart type for that because i've been very much inspired by um what plausible is doing and what google analytics are doing in regards to like they, they don't have pie charts usually because pie charts are visually kind of hard to read but they usually have bars that are under like horizontal bar charts that are underneath each other and then they put yep. the labels on top and they built those not using canvas or some other charting library they just built them using just html basically so i thought right. i'm gonna try that too uh i have a i paused for that as well i'm gonna Gonna, I'm gonna link it. That in. Yeah. Um, and so I have a prototype of that running, and that will actually display the the type of devices that people are come using, and uh, you know, the also the so the models. So like, oh, this is an iPad 14 Pro, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but also device types. Like, so this is a tablet, and this is a desktop computer, for example. Got it. And to do that, I finally documented a a a feature that the telemetry tech query language has had for a while which is lookups which is basically a lookup table of if this value is here then transform it into this value so i have one lookup table that has every single mac uh every single ipad every single single iphone every single apple watch every single uh, apple tv and whatever all those Mm -hmm. like you know you've seen those like iphone 13 comma 4 or whatever yeah these model numbers and it will translate those into human readable numbers um, yep. human readable descriptions and I have one, one that also takes the same input and then returns is this a desktop is this a laptop is this a phone is this a tablet or is this a set top box <laughs> <laughs> and uh, of course I also need to add the Android devices and whatever uh, the web SDK also spits out regarding um, regarding is this what kind of, what kind of device is this and um, this way I can give more information to, to the customers. And I can also, um, like, people have been asking me this for, for a while, actually. Like, hey, can we translate those uh, model device names into, like, human-readable yeah. names? And this yeah, way we can, you, we can easily easily do that. They get people pretty can atomic otherwise because there are huh? quite – they get pretty atomic otherwise you end up with, like, your stats for all the iPads sort of split between the variety of iPads that, that yeah. your users are, are using. Um, yeah, so, that's the other thing. And also people can use that lookup in their own queries, which is kind of nice. But also I just want people to have – um, a more a larger default set of 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 just like insights, so that they don't nice. have to make queries for everything, and yep. that kind of um gels with the hmm, with the idea that I want to have more things that are smart by default, and so that's yep. kind of the first step into that direction. Um, let's see, let's let's see where it goes. <laughs> um, yeah, I also- have. I have long-term plans too. Oh, um, and like they're in that stage where your GoVJ Pro is basically. So the long-term plan is: I've recently learned from uh, actually friend of the show. I don't know. 
<laughs> from one of the, one of the, the customers, and I think I know him on on um, Mastodon too, Matt Massicott. I learned a huge amount of of stuff about Metrikit and about crash logging, and so now I'm kind of thinking, huh, maybe Telemetry does need crash logging because now I know where to start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm still thinking, how do I start with this, and how do I gauge interest? Yeah. So I might actually also make make a sign up page or something. You totally um, should. And like. also, my 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 first instinct was to add like a very rudimentary rudimentary version of this to the telemetric SDK and just start collecting the data, so that there's like a certain amount of data just there to mm-hmm. test all this all this out, even though like customers wouldn't see too much of it yet. Um, problem with this okay. is I've looked at it and the 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 whole data structures are so so very different from what we use right now. So <laughs> it's not like I can just like push those uh, into telemetry data signals. No. They look very different. Uh, they would lose. They, I mean, like I could get it in there somehow, but they would lose a lot of cement cementicity, semanticness, mm-hmm. um, and so it would be hard to actually reason about them and actually like let an algorithm run through those and identify the problem yeah. and stuff like that. Um, so I haven't really need... started programming on it yet. I'm still in the learning phase. Learning phase is good. I think the validating phase is probably vital because I can see like this could be a huge time sunk, time, a huge time suck even. I was getting time sunk, yeah. time suck confused um but it could be a, a, a rabbit hole for you that you fall down and get nothing else done for if you're not careful so i think yeah if you could could do the landing page thing to sort of validate it and uh you get a bit of feedback there but then otherwise it sounds like if you're going to do any dev it needs to be a a, a separate thing for a little while like a, a proof of concept or some sort mm. of micro microservice within your larger stack that you can turn on or switch off independently of anything else that you've got going on um yeah pretty much because i could yeah could imagine like your first version of this uh it's not gonna you're not gonna land perfectly um in terms of that that data structure everything else um and how you would then link that back into everything else inside of the, the telemetry deck stack you're better off um yeah having a play seeing what it does and then you know, thinking about the integration after you've learned that bit, in a sense, I guess. Probably, yeah. But I also don't want to build up a whole like secondary stack. Like, I want to, huh? I want to use like reuse existing structures as much as much as possible because yep. that's also one of the principles. Where if it if it if it's possible, then it's usually a good idea to reuse something existing because yep. you don't have to reinvent the wheel twice or something you know yeah no i i I get that i get that it's just you you also need to contain it so that it doesn't distort the rest of your structure too far as well like certainly not before you 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 know that it's definitely going to be an ongoing concern that you you are selling and building and doing um that would be my my worry is you you know you wire it in you make it work but actually it dictates a whole load of changes that are then you know if it's not the direction you go ultimately would be irritating at least to reverse out of 
Um, but the idea is exciting, Daniel. I like the idea and concept of of, of you having it. And I, I love the idea of, um, you know, that being another string to the telemetry deck's bow, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like I, I currently don't have any proper crash reporting in, in my apps other than what Apple gives us, you know, and, and that yeah. is... And the problem is what you see in Xcode Navigator mm-hmm. is not very good because, um, how do I put this? Like you get the crash reports and the crash reports has like a stack trace with various frames. And yep. there's like a very simple heuristic that actually tries to combine the frames into like when something happens, like when, when multiple crashes happen to combine them into like one single crash report. And then just like pointing to one line and and being like, okay, this is the line. And I think you could do way more with crash reports. Um, Even if you just have a slightly better heuristic and uh, yeah, that that would would help so much. And also like um, Apple will only like only update you on these. Uh, I will only update you on these (laughs) every, uh, I want to say 24 hours or so. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you can't get them real-time from MetricKit, but um, you can get them every 24 hours from each device. So if you deploy something, you, you'd get crashes almost, or crash reporting almost immediately if you have a decent set of users, you know? Which is what you really need, right? You want to be able to respond quickly. Yeah. Um, so. You want to be able to, to deploy and maybe have a slow rollout. And if you see if you see crashes, you just pause the rollout, you know, because you see yeah. the crashes immediately. And then you can yeah. be like, okay, we get like 100 or 50 crashes or whatever. Let's fix that and then try again tomorrow. Yep. Yeah, I see it. I see it. And I also see the benefit of you, of, of it being an integrated thing in the end is that you uh, don't necessarily, you, you can't necessarily, how am I thinking about this? You've got your, signals coming through for the events that the user is tracking mm-hmm. and all the other metadata and information there if you've then aligned that with crash reporting um i can see like you know the chain of events that then oh yeah of course is a group what by. are the what are the 10 signals before this crash yeah it only happens when they access which, that screen which is example. a really good argument for having the signals and the crashes in the same database or at least on yeah. the same database server. If you uh, want crashes, if you want crashes, if you want <laughs> yeah. to see crashes in telemetry deck, write write me an email and or write me on Mastodon. Uh, I am Daniel at social.telemetrydeck.com. Uh, Dave, where can people find you on the internet? Oh, you can find me on Mastodon at dave at social.lightbeamapps.com. Uh, you can also find out about my apps just at lightbeamapps.com in your browser. Fantastic. All right, Dave, have a fantastic day. It has been awesome talking to you again. You too, Daniel. Yeah. See you soon. Take it easy, mate.